Hi there, and welcome to Ready, Set, Change, the podcast where we talk about organizational and personal change. And today, my guest is Jill J. Johnson, MBA. Jill is president and founder of Johnson Consulting Services. It's a management consulting firm that specializes in strategy development. She's personally impacted more than $4 billion worth of decisions for clients located across the United States and Europe and Asia. Jill assists her clients with critical decisions and assessing the impact of market forces to develop strategic and business plans for both the board and operating levels. She is a two-time Business Hall of Fame inductee, recently has been recognized as a Minnesota business icon, and she's won numerous uh, numerous honors for her um, business acumen, her leadership savvy, and her mentoring impact, as well as for her entrepreneurial success. Jill is off, also the author of the international award-winning best-selling book, Compounding Your Confidence. Welcome, Jill. Hi there, April. Glad to be here today. Looking forward to the conversation. Well, I'm thrilled to be talking with you because I love the idea of compounding your confidence. You know, I've been talking with people about this sort of compounding change situation we're in right now. And I know that you speak about how confidence could really help you to navigate some of these um, uncertain times. Is that correct? Absolutely. And I think part of what happens is when you're in a time of change, all of the variables that you used to be able to rely on or that you thought were those stable foundational points they're all bets are off. And so what happens is oftentimes the first casualty of that is people's confidence in their ability to be able to navigate the change effectively. And so for me as a consultant, you know, people said to me when I first wrote the book, why on earth would a, you know, hardcore management consultant write a book about confidence? Isn't that a little too touchy feely and soft? I'm like, no, because it underlies everything that folks do, especially when they're having to make critical business decisions. And so it really affects you um, at any point when you're at a, at a strategic inflection point or at the point of, of significant disruption in your enterprise and the need to change. And it also holds true on a personal level. So hopefully we can dive in on that too. Oh, I really love that because I do feel like, you know, there's, there's organizational change, which we absolutely know we're in the midst of it. We're, we're like in a blender of organizational change right now. And then there is also individual change. And I think they're equally challenging, but in very different ways. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about how, um, how building your confidence or, or kind of finding your confidence can help people to navigate some of this uncertainty? Well, I think what you have to, to first do is understand kind of the nature of where you're at. And, and usually when people's confidence is threatened, it's because they're at a new le- they're starting a new level of mastery, or they've been surprised by some significant variable outside their control, and it puts them back on their heels. They get triggered back into some memory of when they were 13 and some teacher screamed at them, or something that's that's deeper than just the, the circumstance at hand. And when you think about what we've been through in the last two years, this threw everybody 
into that confusion and everybody's confidence was attacked because we didn't know how were we going to keep our employees safe how are we going to get our projects done how are we going to get product out to market how are we going to navigate the complexities of consumers who were terrified to leave their homes to come and shop or to come and, and buy and so Everybody and everything has been in that uncertainty um, framework. And so when, when you're dealing with a confidence issue, it's important to just recognize, is this something that I have any influence over? And if not, then who and where are the things that I can bring into the mix that are gonna be able to help me navigate effectively? And I also think that what people forget about is that in our careers and in our personal growth path, we go through many, many layers and levels of mastery. And so in the book, I lay out the three critical elements of, of how you compound your confidence over time. And, and it starts with progression. So where are you at? And so I was a gymnast when I was, was young and you learn how to do a cartwheel on the floor and you get your hands placement uh, in a straight line and then you get your feet to land on the straight line with it and you're all excited. And then they have you do it on a little balance beam that's on the floor. And then they raise it to a one foot balance beam. And then they raise it to that four foot balance beam that we see in the Olympics. And when you can do that uh, skill consistently and with, with good uh, execution, you've now mastered it. And then you go back to the beginning and start all over again and learn how to do that cartwheel, but without your hands. And so you're mastering a progression. And then when you complete that level of mastery, then you move up to that next level. And then the other two elements are practice and, and how you build that skill while you're developing the mastery. And then the third is the presentation and how you bring yourself to the table, if you will, as you're going through the experience. Mm. So I love the idea, and I think that one of the things that is interesting, I can completely relate to that on an organizational or on an individual level. Like I can see that very clearly as an individual. Can you help me understand how that works organizationally? How does that, how would we apply that sort of understanding of progress, progression and then practice um, to really, to really then move into that presentation. Sure. Well, I think if you, it, it, it still comes down to the individual. So if, if you in your workplace, if you've been promoted to a new job, for example, and you know, you had that clearly had mastered your last role because that's why you stood out enough to be elevated to a new position. And a lot of times people will say things like, oh, fake it till you make it, or you know, they get into trouble with the imposter syndrome because they don't feel like they deserve that next level of, of responsibility. And what I just try and explain to the people that I mentor or the clients that I'm working with and coaching is look, you're now just at a new level. Level and you're starting over again. So break the skills down, break the job down into more manageable parts and pick one that you're going to work on and work through your progression on that skill development and then pick another and another. And if you're managing a team of people who are now 
maybe outside their comfort zone and you're starting to see that, that they're really uncomfortable or they're not performing at an optimal level, that's when you as a leader need to step in and help them understand where they're at in their progression. And what is it that you want them to work on? I don't want you to work on 50 different things. I want you to focus on these two elements of the job that I need you to do. And then you work with them to identify where they're going to practice or how they're going to build that skill set and what it is that they need to do. And maybe you set up a few more interim checkpoints when somebody is in an early stage of progression. And, and we see the same thing hold true when we're working with clients that are going through rapid and significant change. The same elements hold through is you have to recognize where is your team at, where is your enterprise at, and you as a leader, how can you help them navigate so that everybody is building skill and building confidence through that skill development so that they can have um, a more cohesive role working together and frankly, a more, uh, a more fun engagement in their job because they're not struggling with panic and terror on every given day because they're in that sink or swim uh, framework that a lot of companies unfortunately still dump people into. So I think this is really fascinating. And I have a question about um, compounding. Yes. You talk about how, uh, how compounding works in relationship to building that confidence. Absolutely. So when you start as a young professional, you might have some good skill that you developed in school. And, and for the first few months, you think you know it all. And then the truth hits you like a ton of bricks. You're like, oh my God, I don't know anything. And, and then you get into overwhelm. And But the, the truth is, is, and I work at the executive level. And so what happens is, is over a career, you are taking, as you move from mastery level to mastery level to mastery level, you've got this whole array of experiences that that you are building and that compounded experience, that compounded seasoning, if you will, as you move through the arc of a longer career, you have, you have lots of solid foundation that you're building on and it becomes a lot easier the higher up you go to identify what skills you still need work on. And, and because you've already mastered a lot of the, the more basic levels of leadership and so forth that, that you bring into the C-suite for example, but you've got a 20 or 30 year career of how your experiences have compounded and molded you or the different practice elements that you've gotten have helped you to refine. Maybe it's your speaking style, for example, and now you're speaking to shareholders and you're speaking to the public because you're representing your company or you're speaking on TV because you've now mer um, uh, merged higher in your career to the point where you have that elevated profile but it's all of the experiences behind you compounded over time that help to determine that ultimate level of success. So you think about it in investing. They tell young people, start investing at a young age because over time, those amounts will compound and, and you'll have a significant amount of money um, as you know, if you start when you're in your mid-20s, by the time you're 60, you're gonna have a lot more money than if you wait till you're in your mid-50s to get started. And it's the same principle with confidence is that you're building it over time. And every experience that you go into, every traumatic experience, every uncomfortable experience, every experience of change, you're in a position 
as you get through it to then debrief yourself and say, what did I learn from that? What would I do differently? What worked really, really well? And then that insight takes you as you move forward to the next perspective. So this, this uh, discussion really makes me think about, you know, experience where sometimes we are not as successful as we hoped we would be. And we kind of uh, sometimes blow our confidence a little bit. And it kind of feels like um, you're not really sure, you know, how to pick it up and, and get back on the horse, if you will. Do you have uh, suggestions about how to help when somebody feels like they've really misstepped or have like somehow stumbled and, and how can they start to rebuild that, that sense of security and start to rebuild that confidence level. Sure. Well, I think part of it is, and if, it, if you're doing it yourself, and, and it really, it also holds true as a leader, if you're, if you're leaning into to mentoring or, or working with somebody, you have to do an honest deconstruction of what occurred. And, and, you know, I've been in business a lot of years. I've had some amazing successes and I have had some really crappy days where it's like, well, that didn't go quite as planned. And almost always it's because there was a blind spot and, and I either got triggered by somebody that I didn't see coming at me, if you will. And, and then you're in the moment and, and you stumble or you bumble or, you know, the scary barracuda in the back corner is waiting, laying in wait to make you look bad. You know, we've all had those experiences, but I think where the power comes in is when you sit back down and you deconstruct what occurred. And then you ask yourself, what could I have done differently? What could I have recognized earlier on that I could have then maybe been better able to control. And what will I do differently next time? And I think, and then you move on. I used to beat myself up when I would make those mistakes, you know, and for me, it was always, you know, I lost a project that I was bidding on. And, and, you know, it's like, hey, you've got mortgages to pay and cars to pay and visa bills to pay and all of that. And, and so losing a job and as a service professional, it's personal. They didn't pick me. Well, the reality is, is there are a lot of other variables involved in those decision processes that I cannot control. So when I started looking back at what did I do well, what, what could I have improved, what could I have done differently, is there anything else I could have controlled that would have made it, would have increased the likelihood that I might have gotten them to a yes or to a different outcome if it was, if it was something else. And what I found is that self-reflection is so powerful because it helps you to really isolate what is it that you need to work on next and what is it you need to recognize is a critical trigger because triggers undermine confidence almost all the time and very often they have nothing to do with the circumstance that you're in because it's a it's a, a memory from childhood or a memory from an early boss giving you scathing feedback. And you're reinterpreting the current circumstance through the filter of that trigger, not necessarily from the filter of what's being actually said. And, and I think that, that for most people, we're afraid to give and take feedback because it's, it's revealing. And so if you can do it on your own and be really mindful, I think it's helpful. 
And if you have trusted allies that you can do a debrief with, maybe it's a boss, maybe it's somebody completely foreign to the organization, but that you trust or that you that is is giving you wise counsel. I think a lot of times you can find that way to forgive. I had a, I had a call yesterday with a woman who was a, a very, very uh, high executive level, and she had just been let go from this company that she was working for. She'd only been there a couple months. And the truth was is she had missed all sorts of signals that they had been giving. And, and so we had a really frank conversation. It was like, you know, forgive yourself and move on. You know, that it does you no good to continue to self-flagellate and beat yourself up and go, oh, I was so terrible. They were awful, whatever. Well, okay, they were, and you missed it and you didn't manage yourself as effectively as you could have. But it doesn't matter anymore because you're not there anymore. So now what kind of environment do you want to be in? And let's focus on moving it forward. And, and she said afterward, it was, it, was, it was quite the revelation because she had, didn't realize she needed to forgive herself for having made that mistake. And, and once she did, I mean, you could just see the, the, the pressure release. And she'll make different mistakes next time. We all do. But she got really caught up in the the tangled web and so i told her to write down the word detangle i said go buy yourself some of that johnson's baby shampoo johnson's <laughs> get it and put it on your desk and that'll be your memory cue that you know i just need to detangle from from this but we all make mistakes i don't care how high up in the organization you go if you're in the c-suite or on the board or whatever everybody makes mistakes so that's the thing that i encourage people to do is allow Give themselves a little bit of grace. And as I say in the book, treat yourself the way you would treat someone that you respected that made a mistake. And how would you how would you be gentle with them or how would you be encouraging of them? Do the same to yourself. Yes. So that is a hard thing to do. (laughs) That's why we need allies. You know, that's why we need trusted friends who will um, not always parakeet back to us. Yeah, they're mean. You know, it's like, well, no, you really did mess that up. You know, let's let's unpack it and do better. And, you know, and 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 that's, I think, where young people for them, it's hard because they haven't maybe necessarily developed that broad peer network yet or an expanded multi-generational peer network. And so the only people they have to talk to are their friends from, you know, that aren't very savvy or very seasoned or maybe don't respect the, that, they, that you want to have success, that you aspire to going up the corporate ladder because they don't. And so sometimes those conversations are not as helpful because they just don't have the good, wise insight. So go find some wise, older people that you can talk to. <laughs> it's helpful. That's it. I love that. I love that advice. I love that information. I think that, um, you know, I appreciate the, the kind of the word you gave the person you were coaching with, you know, about detangling, because I do find that when you have these sort of setbacks, um, one of the personal challenges that I have found is, you know, that breaking that spiral of dwelling on it, breaking that, that spiral thinking that leads you just over and over back to the beginning. And, um, you know, I think I love your, your information about, you know, think about uh, forgiving yourself. That's an excellent tool. If you're working in an organization and you are trying 
to help other people adopt a change and uh, they and it feels like maybe they are very resistant to the change. Like they are just not interested. Do you have suggestions or strategies for how to approach them to help them sort of think through or um, recognize that adoption doesn't mean uh, surrendering their beliefs and adoption doesn't mean they've somehow succumbed to uh, groupthink. <laughs> exactly. Well, as a management consultant, I deal with a lot of businesses that are operating in complex markets or that are in need of a turnaround. And so in both settings, change is the outcome of ultimately what we do and, and what we have to affect. And and there are always people who are completely resistant to it. And what I find is that I have to help them understand enough of what we're seeing as we're doing the market assessment or the competitor intelligence um, or the, you know, the state of the industry to educate them. In, and, I'm, and I mean that not in the, hi, I'm talking at you kind of way, but working with them to understand that the enterprise risks are so significant. And what are their thoughts and ideas of how we can move forward given this new emerging reality? And, and over the years, I, I was working with a senior living community in Ohio a number of years ago. And this was back when the internet was early and you know we were just getting started with, with understanding the power of what this tool really would be. And I remember, it was a turnaround situation and the marketing director was just hell bent on she wasn't she every we're doing everything right and the board chair had privately said to me he wanted her fired he wanted that as an outcome and as i interviewed and was looking at all this competitors i came back and said well first of all i she's the only one of all of them that I've talked to that I would hire. I said, I think she just needs to understand how much the world has changed. And so, you know, we had a, we had a few um, intense, you know, the, like those uh, deer in the, the woods, the buck in the woods where you lock the horns and you're gonna wrestle to see who's gonna win. But, but it was all done in the perspective of helping her understand what was so different and why that could make a change. And then in incorporating her into um, buy-in on the execution. And it was so amazing because she went from not my biggest fan to a huge trusted friend and ally over the next 15 years that I worked with that enterprise. And because I opened her eyes to things that she hadn't seen any it before. And, but I didn't just condescend to her. I used the insight that we were gathering to share with her and to talk to her about, you know, we're starting to see that yellow page ads in those big old phone books. Some of your, some of your viewers and listeners are like, what's that? You know, back in the old, back in the old day when we had those printed, uh, printed phone books, that was, a, that was how you marketed. And I'm like, no, you need to be doing community events and outreach and showcase saying you and your team and your residents and your people that you're an active community and and the one specific thing that I strongly recommended that they get involved with she absolutely did not want to do but they redeployed the money to it fast forward um, seven years later she was on the board of that outside community that that I had recommended that they get involved in so I think for some people it's just helping them see you know, what is it? You share an article, you sit down and you show them data points, you show, and, and for those of you that are managing change in your organizations, 
if your execs are somewhat resistant to the ideas that you're bringing forward, most of the time, it's you're not building your case well enough. And you have to build it in words and language that they understand. How does this impact return on investment? How does this impact retention or recruitment? Or how does this impact and increase the profitability of each sale that we make? Or how does this help us reach deeper into a market segment that we've been working with for a long time, but that market segment is changing. And I think the more that we can help pull that curtain back, the easier those decisions on change become. And the more people see, well, what about other opportunities that we could do? What do you think? And inviting their engagement on it. And you're always going to have a couple that are going to, you know, sit there and fold their arms and they're absolutely not going to do. But those are the people, unless they're the CEO, who are generally probably not there for the long term because the market will bypass them. And we're in too much of a, a VUCA world, which is volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous, at, we're in too much of a world of uncertainty that we can just sit back because business isn't staying static. And so the work that we do, the work that, that your, your listeners do, you know, we're the change agents. We're the people who have to build the case for that change. And if you're not selling it, then you got to go back and figure out what other elements do you need to bring in? Do you need more data? Do you need a couple more external articles? Or do you need to invite some outside speakers in that can help um, be independent and, and give that perspective? So I think there's a lot of different things that people can do, but they get stuck in, oh, nobody's listening to me. They don't like my ideas. Well, yeah. So what are you going to do about it? And, and I think that's where the confidence part steps forward um, is when you when you stop and you get out of that stuck piece and you say, what can I do? And that's and that's where the more positive are. and you're Everybody's going to get beat up a couple of times anyway. You just you have to learn how to withstand it and, and move on and keep moving forward. Mm, I love that. So. You know, I talk, I talk about um, the relevant and relatable story of the change and how critically important that is to helping people to adopt change. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about your story. How, how did you get started in this field, Jill? Like you're so successful and I'd really, and you're just brimming with confidence. I'd love to know how you started your, your career and what, what uh, steps you took to get moving in this direction. Well, you know, I, I outline a lot of it in the book, but and I, and I was I was interviewed for a show a while back that was called the Underdog Show, and I and I said on that podcast I'm I was under the underdog when I started. I mean, <laughs> I come from you know a blue collar family. Um, my dad owned an auto body repair shop. It was it was not anything special. It was in a small town. But I knew I was wicked smart. I had lots of aspirations. My, my mother had been an executive secretary at 3M's World Headquarters back in the era where women didn't have big jobs, but, but she had great insight. And so she was kind of the cattle prod. And so I knew I wanted something bigger and something more. And I had the opportunity, um, there's a whole backstory on it, but I had the opportunity to meet a gentleman in Chicago when I was 17 or 18 years old. And it was right before I was going to college. And he talked about what he did as a management consultant. And I was mesmerized by 
everything he said. We make change, you know, we impact people, we make money for organizations, there's travel, there's new people all the time. It's always different. You're always growing, you're always learning and stretching. And I'm like, that's it. That's what I'm going to be. Now, that was the only time I ever talked to that gentleman um, when I was in that early career. And about 10 years ago, I tracked him down. He was, had gone from one of, he was the senior VP of one of the 10 largest consulting firms in the country at the time that I met him, which I didn't know because we didn't have the internet back then. So, so we couldn't do that due diligence. And, um, and that was the only time I had that interaction. And he went from that firm, which is now defunct to, um, to San Francisco, to Fresno. And I'm really good at research. And I found him on the internet speaking at a local city planning committee meeting. And I was reading the minutes. I'm like, oh my God, that's him. That is him. Found his address and sent him a letter and said, dear Mr. Cardinal, I know you have no idea who I am, but let me tell you how you changed my entire adult life and laid it all out. And he recently passed. Um, so it's very fresh, but I think there's power in reaching out and trying to expose yourself to lots of different things to see what those possibilities are. And so for me, I didn't know the how I would make it happen, but I had a, a, a North Star that I really wanted to get into consulting. And so as I drilled in deeper to that, it led to getting an MBA. The MBA led me to working for one of the big CPA firms in their management consulting practice. And you know, so I learned the business of consulting and then, you know, went out and, and have been on my own all these, these many years, but it does, it's not a gift that the universe just magically gives to you. It is, it is an intentional, it is a hell of a lot of hard work and it's picking yourself back up because you're always going to have those days that don't work out like you like it or the you know, somebody's not happy with you, or, you know, there was an article in the paper, or somebody wrote something nasty about you on social media, you're, there's always something. And, and over time, what I've learned, and that's what I what I share in the book, is how you start from wherever it is you are. And over time, you have the ability to navigate and, and move things forward and create who you are. And you, know, you talked about how confident I seem here. That's a lot of years of practice and presentation and learning how to present my ideas and perspective in a way that, that can resonate with people. That's all skill development over a period of time combined with just innate talent. And I think we all have those elements and it's just how, how we use them. And, and having that big dream is a great thing, but then are you willing to do the really hard work to build all of what you need in order to make that dream happen. And I think that's, that's where a lot of people get stuck is they, the want isn't as, um, the want is bigger than the willingness to do what's necessary to complete it. And, and so, you know, over time, I think you find a pathway or you find a different path. Great, excellent. Well, Jill, this has been just a fantastic conversation. I've learned so much from our conversation today. And I, I do wonder though, and I, I'm trying to uh, be mindful to ask everybody, what is something that you're reading right now? I, I have so many books and I'm always 
in the middle of like two or three at the, at the same time. So I completely understand if you have a lot of books that you're thinking about, but what's something that you're really uh, reading and enjoying at the moment? You, you know, I mean, I ran a book club for 16 and a half years and it was a nonfiction book club and, and we read a book a month for 16 and a half years. And I facilitated all but a handful of the discussions. But right now I'm just reading political thrillers and spy thrillers and, and um, you know, books of, of that ilk and Jack Reacher and, you know, things like that. So it's just, for me, it's that, that adrenaline uh, non-fiction or adrenaline level fiction. Um, and, you know, cause you try and keep your days stable. So you go on your adventures at night. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. Yes. And you know, it. I have, I have to admit, I have been uh, sort of, I've dropped my fictional reading, which I love. And uh, you're, you're kind of encouraging me to go uh, pick it back up again. So I think, yeah. you know, real life is hard enough right now. And, and I'll, I've been through that, you know, I've read, you know, biographies of all these famous people. And what I realize is every one of them has periods of self-doubt and they have moments of utter catastrophe that they don't think they're ever going to be able to navigate out but that catastrophe is the reason that we know who they are and so they were in the middle of it not knowing if they would be successful in resolving whatever the issue was or not and and so you know so much of what we deal with in the day right now are earth-shattering catastrophes and and organizations that are on the brink of complete collapse because they can't get people to come to work or they're they've burned out their senior executive team by trying to fill in and all of that and so for me to to kind of counterbalance that I find that the fiction allows me to just decompress a bit and and if you know the the, the more intense the spy thriller and the more they have to run um, expatriate is the expatriate is one I'm just starting to read again. I forget the name of the author, um, but it's a spy thriller about a woman who used to be a CIA agent and immersing in a completely different world with people who are having, you know, again, major crises. It helps me to get clear for the real crises I'm dealing with with the clients, but it's, it's mind candy and I know I can put it down. Oh, I love that. Excellent. Well, Jill Johnson, this has been uh, such a great conversation. I truly appreciate your time and all of the fantastic actionable tips that you've given us so that people can, you know, go forward and, you know, uh, sustain themselves, even when it feels like, you know, things are caving in <laughs> that recognition of, um, you know, being able to kind of pick yourself up and, and to step forward in a new way and to maintain that confidence and to compound it. Um, that's, that's excellent information. I appreciate your time and all of your thoughts and um, great suggestions today. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. Well, I'll, uh, is there a place people can get in touch with you? Sure. Um, I have a, uh, my business website is www.jcs, that's Johnson Consulting Services. So JCS hyphen usa.com. There's some free white papers there. There's information about the books that I've written there. And, um, and you can find me on Amazon with all of the books as well under Jill John, J. Johnson MBA or under, you know, compounding your confidence. Wonderful. Thank you so much for talking with me on the Ready, Set, Change podcast. 
I love it. And we will definitely put a link to your website with our episode. So thanks again, Jill. Thanks so much.